0: Hey, this is Keith. I'm the pastor of Blaze Church. Welcome to our podcast. I know today's message is going to inspire you, encourage you, and lead you to know God more. If you want to connect with us, visit us online at blazechurch.org. Enjoy today's message. So we're starting this new series today called Increase Our Faith. And here's the burden that I have when it comes to my faith and maybe your faith. The burden that we have is there is so much that takes away from our faith. Yeah, just me. That's all right. I preached to myself for 30 minutes. I could use today's message. There's so much that takes away from our faith all day long. The enemy of your soul, if you are a follower of Christ, he has a mission, and it is to steal, kill, and destroy. None of those words add to your faith. Friend circles, circumstances, our own minds, all of it constantly decreases our faith. And so my prayer is that this month would be a month where our faith is increased by looking to God's word and what he says. And really this comes from a simple prayer that the disciples, the followers of Jesus prayed on a day when he was explaining to them what it meant to follow him. So picture, he's with his disciples, his closest friends, those that will follow him and believe in him. And he's saying, if you're going to be my disciple, if you're going to believe in me, we might say today, if you're going to be a Christian, well, you're going to obey me. You're going to forgive others. It's going it's to be more challenging than if you don't follow me. And so in the middle of his teaching, they say this in Luke 17:5. The apostles said to the Lord, let's say it together increase our faith. That's a full prayer right there in Jesus' name. Just three words. Increase our faith. What if for the month of October, you made it a decision to pray that prayer every single day? In the morning when you wake up? when you're commuting to work, if that's what your day looks like, around your kids, around your spouse, in your singleness, wherever you are, if that prayer was just on your lips, God, increase my faith. Increase my faith. You, your life would be different. Your life would be faith-filled. And so today, we're going to look at the first way that God can increase our faith. I read a study that was just conducted two years two years ago in 2020 about the mind And the study concluded that we think 6,000 thoughts a day. Okay, let me me break that down because maybe that doesn't blow your mind, but let me break that down in seconds. That is a different thought every nine seconds. So what does that do for me? I mean, I'm going to stand here for 30 minutes knowing that thousands of thoughts are going to take place while I'm speaking to you. That's really humbling for me. You're just all daydreaming, just minds running. I'm having different thoughts up here. Our mind, if you've ever felt like I can't, my mind is always going. Yeah, you're right. Right? Like we're we're constantly thinking different thoughts throughout our day. And so this was one study that showed it's around 6,000 on average. It's a lot of thoughts. Now, keep that study in mind. And now let me share with you of scripture verse that speaks to our thoughts. 2 Corinthians 10:5. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So if we add a numerical value there to the word every, we take captive 6000 thoughts a day? <laughs> I mean every single thought we're going to we're going to take it captive. How many here have ever thought a negative thought before? You could be honest. The rest of you are liars. So, uh, right, we, we think negative thoughts. How many have had negative thoughts on repeat before? Right, just, just, it just plays over and over. Think about this. How many of your 6,000 thoughts a day would you say increase your faith? Add to your faith in God versus take away from the faith that we have in God. And yet God here is, is saying in Scripture, it, here's what we do as followers of Christ. We take those thoughts captive. And when we read that and when we hear that, there should be a part of us that says, how in the world? How in the world am I supposed to take captive every single thought? So God has a plan for that. I'm going to show it to you today in Scripture of how our minds can be renewed of how when a thought enters our mind, we do not have to dwell on that thought. It does not have to become a repetition in our mind. It doesn't have to be a story that we rehearse and tell ourselves over and over, but rather we could take control of it. That's really what it means to take captive, gain control over that thought and filter it through what God says. That's how we increase our faith when it comes to our minds. You guys know this, whether you're a Christian or not, there are so many articles and books and teachings on the power of thinking, on the power of the mind. Well, God started that. God made your mind. Before the self-help book section was invented, there was creator God who made you and made your mind. And he doesn't do it with positive thinking. Because I can think positive all I want about myself and my situation. That doesn't change me or change what's going on around me. God's got something better for you. God's got a way where our minds can literally be made new. Let me show you Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed how? Say it with me, by the renewing of your mind then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So we're we're on a journey this morning. We want our faith to be increased. We want to cry out like the disciples, God, increase our faith. But it is not a rub-the-lamp way that God has for us. Scripture says we work out our salvation. So there's this beautiful opportunity for us who are in Christ Jesus. If today you've surrendered your life to him, but you're saying, Pastor Keith, I don't get it. Like my mind still has so much negativity. There's still so much anxiety and worry and fear. And I feel like my thoughts take captive of me. What do I need? Well, first of all, you're not alone there. Where's my jacked up Christians at? Say Amen. You're not alone there. So don't let the enemy lie to you and tell you, oh, you're not saved. You're not a Christian. How could you have that thought? How could you be defeated? How could you think that way? No, you're not alone there. It's okay not to be okay. It's not okay to stay that way. God has a better plan for your life. God has a way that He pulls us up out of the muck and the mire, the psalmist says, out of all that dirt. And it's here in Scripture. We're going to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. In this one verse, there are two paths that are put before us when it comes to our thinking. The first path is the word conform. Simply conform. To conform, because Scripture said don't conform to the pattern. To conform simply means to go with the flow. If the rest of my job is complaining, I'm going to find myself there. If the rest of my society is worrying and anxious, I'm going to find myself there. If everyone else is navigating their families and their finances and all of that this way, I'm going to find myself there. It's conforming. When the author Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, says in that verse, do not conform to the pattern of this world, the word that he's using there for world isn't the globe, the earth. It's the mindset of those who have yet to know God. Right? We believe that every person is on a spiritual journey and the first part starts with know God. You were created to know your creator. You were created to know God. And when we don't know him, then we create our own path for ourselves. Maybe we get it from culture or from our individuality or from friend influences. We make a path and simply we conform to the pattern of this world. And if that's where you and I stay, you better believe all 6,000 of those thoughts aren't going to do anything to increase our faith. Because when a situation comes up, when a moment arises, when we're struggling, when it's a hard day, when it's a successful day and a joyous day, those thoughts are going to be pa- fashioned after the pattern of this world. So there's conform, but there's also transform. How many are thankful for the word transform? So we can conform, we can just go with the flow, or scripture says we can be transformed, which which truly means we can change, we can be different. I love hearing stories from some of you that say, hey, there is no one else in my family that is saved. I'm the first one. I I know some of you and that's your story. And you're leading like your parents to come to church and know Jesus. You're leading family members and you're, you're, You're so different because you've been transformed. You've been changed. The old is gone and the new has come. God transforms us. He makes us different. And so we're going to be transformed. The scripture tells us how by the renewing of our mind. The end of that verse said, then you'll know God's will. I wrote this down. You and I can't know the good, pleasing and perfect will with conformed thinking. If you're struggling today to say, I just don't know what God's plan is for my life, there's a good chance your mind has conformed to the pattern of this world. Because when we've been transformed, when our minds have been made new, when they've been changed, suddenly we understand the will that God has for our lives. We discover purpose so we can make a difference. Does that make sense? So I love it because God is here telling us in his word, in essence, you, you need a lobotomy. <laughs> you need some brain surgery, my friends. The, the, the children I created, he's like, some of my children, they just so messed up. All, I, you just need a new brain. You just need a new head. And I love you, and the, and the physician's going to do his work. He's going to change our thinking. Why? Well, our minds are shaped by many different things in life. The thought pattern that you came in here with today has been shaped. It, is, it has changed over time. Let me share with you a couple of of areas, and and none of these are right nor wrong. They're just areas that shape our mind. First is our family of origin. Your your upbringing, your family, if there were parents or if there weren't parents, where you lived, what what the environment was like, what what mealtime was like, all of that has shaped the way you think and view people. Our, our, Our experiences beyond our homes and our environments Right, the experiences that you've taken in your, in your formative years, in your young adult years, if you're a student today, right now, your experiences as a student are forming the way you will think. It's just a thing. Our friends certainly impact the way we think. Right? I mean, confirmation bias. That's why your social media feed looks different than mine, because it, it forms the way we think. The news shapes the way we think, doesn't it? Yeah, if you're, if you're tuned in to the news, a certain station, your thinking is shaped by the media that you and I consume, and certainly social media and, and content we take in. All of this shapes the way we think. Now, here's a question that I think we need to consider. Could it be that our faith is decreasing because of what we are allowing to shape our minds? Could it be that this morning we come in here and we say, man, I would love increased faith, God. I would love to trust you more. I'd love to know how to have peace beyond understanding in the name of Jesus. You do it like that too. In In the name of Jesus, I want peace beyond. And then you go home and you put on the news. I'm not against the news. And if you work for the news, that's awesome. Or you go home and you talk to your same friend circle. Or you go home and you go on your social media. And you're sitting there scrolling miserable and you're like, God, I just want peace. I just... I just want peace. Could it be that you and I need our minds renewed if we want increased faith? So then, let's get practical. What has God given us so that we might have our minds renewed? And notice it's ongoing, the renewing of your mind. I need my mind renewed later. Later. Carolyn, I can't believe the Cowboys won. I was so sad. I thought of you, though. I may have been a little upset at you that night. Right? The Giants are playing the Bears today at 1. I'm going to need my mind renewed probably around halftime. It's, it's just the reality. Right? Like, we, it's renewing. It's ongoing. It's ongoing. So what has God given you and I so that we might have our minds renewed regularly? And this, is not gonna, this isn't going to be one of those, you know, sometimes I make a sermon and I'm like, this is, this is going to be a fresh revelation. They're, gonna, they're not going to know. you. Th- this, is, this is basic. But we neglect it. You know what renews your mind? Scripture. Scripture. Oh, so you're going to preach on the Bible for the next 14 minutes? Yes. My prayer for you today is that you would leave here with a renewed love for God's word or a new love for God's word. Because as your pastor, I know that if you're only taking in Scripture 30 minutes a week here in this environment, your mind is jacked up all week long. It it just has to be. My mind would be a wreck if I were only taking in Scripture for a couple minutes a week. So I I just want you this morning to to fall in love with God's Word. What's the first way that our faith is going to be increased? Very practically, we're going to be people who read the Bible, just read scripture. So I want to share with you what scripture is because you may be new to church and we're so glad that you're here. So right on the hitting the ground running, I want you to know scripture in three ways. Here's the words. I want you to see scripture as paper. I want you to see scripture's purpose. And I want you to see scripture's power. So if you're taking notes, those are great words to write down. If you have an incredible memory, don't forget these words. It's paper, it's purpose, and it's power. Very basically, let me just talk to you about what the Bible is. When we say read the Bible, open the Bible, what do we mean by that? So if you've been in a college setting or you're in a school setting now and maybe your teacher or professor at some point used a Bible as, a, as, as something set up as this is a piece of literature, this is, this is writing. Well, he was right. That's what it is. I'm going to start there with the Bible as paper. So let's just start there. When we say the Bible, the Bible is actually composed of two parts, the Old Testament and the, take a guess, New Testament, brilliant. The Old Testament and the New Testament. The Old Covenant and the New Covenant. Simply meaning the first half, if we could call it that, although it's not incredibly accurate to say half, but the first part of Scripture speaks of the people of Israel primarily and their longing for an anointed one, the Messiah, the Redeemer, the one who would come and rescue the world. And this is before God sent his son Jesus to this world who walked this earth, lived a sinless life, died, rose again. The New Testament speaks primarily of Christ and his life, his miracles, his teachings, and what he did by going to the cross, and then tells of how believers, those who come to know God, will live their lives in the New Testament, and both are equally inspired, and both are equally important in our lives. The Bible is composed of 66. Books, the word book isn't the best word, right, John? It's different literature. There's poetry, there's narrative, there's history, there's prophecy. But we say books because that's just easy and that's fine. 66, written by 40 different authors spanning over the course of 1,500 years in three different languages, all telling one story. The Bible in its paper sense is miraculous if that's all it was. Like if you were just to look at the Bible and look at the original manuscripts that we have today showing that what was written actually happened, your mind would be changed there. Just in its paper sense. It is amazing. And for those of you that signed up for the Pizza and Bible Project small group that meets on Fridays, first of all, I'm jealous of you. It filled up instantly, so I'll have to buy my own pizza. But you're going to learn all about the Bible, what it is, and how to read it. If you're most interested, the Bible started in stone pieces and went to papyrus and then scrolls. It was first on printed books in 1456. It first came to the computer in 1982. It hit websites in 1993. It was first on an app. We'll talk about that in 2008. And it finally made its debut in virtual reality in 2016. All that to say, the Bible has stood the test of time. It's been around for thousands of years, and it's still accessible to us today. Paper. Let's talk about the purpose of the Bible. Because that's really now we've got to start speaking to our hearts about, okay, but this paper is a little confusing. Pastor Keith, you ever read Zephaniah too? I mean, I have no idea what that means. I mean, what do I do with this? Is, what is the purpose of the Bible? Why should you leave here saying, I'm going to read the Bible? Before I tell you it's purpose, let me give you two things that show it's not purpose. First of all, don't go to the Bible for information here's what I mean by that. If all you and I do is we're going to open up this book simply to have our heads informed, there's actually a verse in this book that says, knowledge puffs up. You ever met some big headed people? Right? That, and that's fine to be informed, but it's not its primary purpose in our lives. For us to just simply know where to find a verse or know what the Bible says. In fact, today, if you received the verse of the day from the YouVersion app, it was all about being hearers and doers of God's word. The wise man built his house upon a rock. Come on, you you know this song. And the the rains came tumbling down. So it's not just to be informed. Don't just read the Bible for information. Here's another one don't read the Bible for inspiration. The self-help book section of the bookstore is a horrible place for the Bible to be. Because when you read Romans 3:23, that tells you the wages of sin is death and all have sinned, and you read that no one's righteous and you can't save yourself and you're not good enough, that does not inspire one in the morning. <laughs> I just read this week in Isaiah, all your righteous acts are nothing but filthy rags in the sight of the Lord. Thanks, God. Feel inspired. It's, I, and I love self-help books. I'm reading one right now, uh, Lead Like It Matters by Craig Rochelle. It's, it's helping me in my leadership. But we can't open the Bible to say, I need me to help me today. I just need to know how good I am. I need to be affirmed of my goodness. It's not its purpose. Here's the purpose. It's not information or inspiration. It is Invitation. We go to the Bible to be invited to the God who created us and gave us his inspired word. He inspires the words so that we might know. Here's the primary purpose. When we read scripture, we should open it up. And before we say, what does this say about me? We should be asking, what does this say about the son of God, Jesus? What does this reveal about him? Old and New Testament. If you want a good book that will help you with that, Jesus on Every Page by David Murray. Just the Old Testament where we see Jesus in it. Let me share this quote for you. The purpose of the Bible is to show mankind who God is and his plan to save mankind from their sin through his son, Jesus Christ. That is the primary purpose of Scripture. It is not for intellectual head knowledge. It is not to be inspired. No, it is so we might be invited to know the God who made us, to know the gospel. Because when you and I are made new, or, or rather when we know God, we're made new. We're transformed. We're transformed in our thinking and our living. God's word, it's purpose. Are you getting hungry for his word? That's my hope this morning. You're not alone in that. There was a man named Jeremiah, and it was hard to find the word of the Lord at this time in Jeremiah's life, hundreds of years ago, hundreds of years before Christ walked this earth. And Jeremiah then finds the law. He finds a scroll of God's word. And look at what he says. When I discovered your words, I, say the word, devoured them. I devoured them. They are my joy and my heart's delight, for I bear your name, O Lord God of heaven's armies. I'll speak for myself. I know very well how to devour certain content in media. If you find me on a good day when I would just want to know, how do I smoke this meat? Eric, how, how, how can I make this the best ever? I will devour YouTube videos. I'll devour articles. I'll send text messages to people who know about this hobby that I love. I'll de- you know how to devour certain things beyond food. You know how to go all in and have it shape your mind to where you've devoured enough of that media that it now changes your thinking, changes your outlook, your speech, your way of life. Jeremiah says, your words... I devoured them. How different would your life look if that was your truth? I devour the words of God. I can't go a day. I can't go a moment. I I just, I take captive the thought because when it comes in, I'm meeting that thought with the word of God that I've been devouring. It's, It's the way that he's provided for us to be renewed and to have our faith increased. We can't just eat his word once a week here. You can't. you can't. You need it daily. In fact, God taught the people of Israel this when they wandered through the wilderness. He provided for them what was called manna, which was a brilliant name because it literally means, what is it? So they called it, what is it? I just love, it. that's innovation. That's, that's great. What is it? That's, that, that's going to stick. We're going to call it, what is it? So he provides this, what is it? Every single day, and they're eating, and it's sweet to them, and it's good. It's their daily bread, and it has nothing to do with their physical bodies. Here's the purpose behind the provision of manna. Deuteronomy 8.3. Moses says to the people, he humbled you, causing you to hunger, and then feeding you with manna which neither you nor your ancestors had known. Well, why did he do that? To teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Could it be that the God who created every system in your body, including the hunger system, I don't know if that's a legit name, but I definitely have a hunger system. Digestive, that's better. That system in our body, could it be that God made that so that we would crave his word? That the same way that you and I get hungry throughout our day for some nourishment for our body, he's saying, I did that to teach you, you need to be hungry for me, for my word. Nourishment. You and I may look so frail in our faith and so weak because we're malnourished on the word of God. And my hope today is that you and I would say, I need a new spiritual meal plan. I got to start eating some more. I got to start putting God's word. I'm living on junk food. I'm taking in media and social media and and friend circles that don't know the Lord. And and I want to love those people well, but I want to show up nourished. I don't want to conform to their thinking anymore. I want to stand out at my job. I want to stand out in my home. I want to stand out on the LIE. I want to just drive different, live different. I I want peace, so I'm going to be renewed in my thinking. I want to close by reading just three verses from a psalm. And in these three verses, the psalmist David, who writes this before the New Testament, before the Bible's even called the Bible, he's a Jewish boy that has access to the law of God. You know, the the books we kind of skip over because they put us to sleep, Leviticus. Can I get an amen? He's got that. And yet, and yet he writes in three verses of a song, six things that the word of God does. Look at this. Psalm 19, 7. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. You and I may feel like we need revival in our souls. God's saying, I can do that. It's in my word. I I can, I'll say it this way. I'll make you alive. That's the first thing. I'm going to make you alive with my word. He goes on and says, The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. How many here know some people who need a little bit of wisdom? How many here are those people? Come on, let's be honest. Okay, the testimony of the Lord, His word, it it literally will make you wise. He, He says the precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. Precepts are guidelines. See, we push against God and his commands and his guidelines and say, oh, you're just trying to stop my fun. You're trying to ruin who I want to be and express myself in my identity. And God's saying, I'm not trying to do any of that. I'm trying to actually give you joy in your life. I created marriage and identity and your purpose for a reason. So you'd have joy. It's my, it's my precepts. He says, the commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. His commands are not meant to be seen as burdensome, but rather as blessings that will literally cause us to see clearly the way we are to live our lives. He says, the fear of the Lord is pure and enduring forever. To fear the Lord means to respect him, to revere him, not cower away. The author of Hebrews says, we approach his throne room with confidence, his grace and his mercy compel us to come. So we don't shrink back in fear, but we come with a holy reverence to the God who makes us pure through his word. We need our minds purified. And lastly, the rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. I'll say it this way, that makes us godly. His rule, they they bring righteousness. So here's all six things right on one screen. The word of God makes you alive. It makes you wise, makes you joyful, helps you see clearly, makes you pure. It makes you godly. Now, who would look at that list and say, I don't need any of that. I don't want any of that. More than likely, we would all look at that and say, I would love that. To which I believe God would say, I've given it to you. You just don't open it. You just don't read it. You you just don't see the value of it. What does your morning look like? What does my morning look like? The first thing we reach to, is it our phones for social media, our email accounts to know how the day is gonna be? Is it the news? What's that first thing that gets to speak to you first? How different would it be if we started with God's word? What's the last thing you hear before you go to bed? The last thing you see, how different our rest would be if we finished with God's word. Throughout our day, when we're feeling anxious, a little TMI, but I think we all know it. When you go to the bathroom, and some of you were in there for 15 minutes. Oh, look, that's my, my friend. Uh, you, you're on social media and you're just scrolling. How different would it be if, on your bathroom breaks and your lunch breaks, you opened up a Bible app? Why not? Why not to increase our faith? We want more faith. Here's the scripture says Romans 10 17. So faith comes by hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. I want more faith. Do you know the word of Christ? Do you know the gospel? Do you know the message that God so loves you? He loves you. Hear this this morning. God loves you. He sent his son to this world so that you would not have conformed thinking, but so that you might be transformed, so you might be made new. And Jesus says, John ten ten, to have abundant life in him. And he's given us his word. And my prayer for you this morning as your pastor or as maybe someone you're meeting for the first time, if I could encourage you, try it this week. What have you got to lose if just for seven days you said, every day, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to read the Bible. And I want to help you do that. So first, if you don't own a Bible, we have Bibles here in the back of the room that we want to give to you. They are free 99, everybody, free because of radical generosity of people who give every week through tithes and offerings, so you can take a Bible. I do want to say, if you own a Bible already, this is not Christmas shopping. That's stealing. Don't be like, oh, my aunt would love this Bible. Christmas is in two months. Okay, the Lord sees you, and he will strike you, okay? This is for you if you don't own a paper Bible, and you're saying, or you're like, oh, mine's kind of raggedy. I'm going to get this one. No, no, no. You don't own a paper Bible, and you want a paper Bible, We have them for you. If you have a smartphone, I want to show you on this next slide, if we could throw that up, different ways that you can read the Bible on your phone. And if you want to scan that QR code, it'll take you to our webpage where we have these apps available free, most of them. The first one, the Holy Bible, is the most popular one that started in 2008. I use it every single day with my kids and for myself for the verse of the day. We read scripture there. You can get that right off our website. The one underneath it with the little heart is called Dwell. And there is a subscription service, but it's not a lot. And if you want like Morgan Freeman to read you the Bible, you just want to program that voice and you want to dial in some harps, but maybe a little bit of cello. You can do all that on the dwell app. Now, if that's not your thing, I use streetlights primarily in the gym because it is scripture over hip hop beats, everybody. How awesome is that? So you're like, I need God's word, but I also need my pump. So what am I going to do? Streetlights and that's completely free. And and you can, I, just, I want to put scripture on your, in your hands. I want you to see how accessible it is. Start reading. Start, read, start reading where? Can I have one of those, Amanda? I didn't bring one up with me. Thank you. So, on your chair, every person has one of these soap journal, blaze soap. We're going to wash out our dirty minds, everybody, with some soap. I know what you're thinking as you look at it. August 2020. You guys know, I never know what year it is, right? You, you know that. So 2020 is still a thing. It's still on this page, right? So there you go. I thought you were going to laugh a whole lot more at that, but you should. Thank you. It was a little typo on my part. Blaze soap. What does soap stand for? Scripture, observation, application, prayer. And it's all in here for you. So when you take this thing home, you're going to read it, and you're going to turn open to the page, and it's going to break down how to soap. I'm going to find a verse for the day. I'm going to say, what's God saying here? I'm going to apply it, and I'm going to just pray about that. Just one verse. One verse. Well, where do I start? Well, for this week, if you don't know where to start, and you're not currently reading a plan, read Ephesians. It's six chapters. You can read one a day from now till Saturday, and they're short chapters. And it's a book in the New Testament, and it'll teach you all about the joys of living as a follower of Christ. That's the, the theme of that book. And so this is for you to take home just to put something in your hands. I want to end with one more verse from David's song back in Psalm 19. Here's the next verse he says about his words. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than, fu- than honey from the honeycomb. He, he just loved the word of God. If I can give you the KIV, the Keith and Davino version of that, the Bible's better than ice cream. it's sweeter than the best dessert. It's more rich than the best retirement plan, than the biggest bank account. God's word is priceless. It is sweet. And I'm inviting you to fall in love with his word and see if your faith does not increase, because it will. Let me pray for you, and then we're going to sing one more song together before we head out. God, I thank you for this beautiful time of being encouraged and being maybe renewed in some of us or made new in others to say I need to fall in love with the word of God. We thank you that you so graciously have given us your word that it is all that we read this morning and more. It is what makes us alive and and pure and godly and causes us to see. God, you've given us so much. May we not be people who neglect the beauty of your word. God, I thank you that you sent your son to this world who we read it says that the word became flesh and dwelt among us so that we might know you. I pray for every person in this space today that they leave here encouraged and excited to read the Bible to get to hear from your voice during the week, that it would increase our faith as we spend time discovering more of who you are. May we open your word knowing the purpose is invitation to know a God who made us and has the very best plan for our lives. Lord, we love you. We are so grateful. In Jesus' name, we say amen together.